Hello and welcome to Cage Fighting. It's your main man Andy Gillard here. Hope you're all doing well in the world right now. Hello everyone. And if I'm second, you know that Matt's not here. <laughs> For reasons we'll get into later <laughs> on. Yes, sadly we are sans Matthew this week, but worry not. We do have the gobby one from the killing. Miss <laughs> Tara Court. Tara, Hello. welcome. Thank you very much for having me back. I'm surprised you had me back. But yeah, thanks for having me again. Not a problem. Always happy to have any guest on the podcast. Uh, yes, so Matthew isn't with us today because he's nearly burnt his house down by the sounds <laughs> of it. Um, quite a late addition with some electric failures. So you're stuck with the three of us. It was supposed to be a fatal four-way, but no longer. But we'll get you through the next hour or so anyway. Yeah. Uh, it's been a quiet-ish week in the film news. I don't know if it's just because we're approaching that time of year where no one seems to give a shit anymore, so they're just trying <laughs> to get through to the award season that's about to start. But we'll dive right in anyway and see what pops up. Firstly, a story broke over the last week or so about the Game of Thrones prequel being binned off. There was a little confusion because we've already seen some footage from House of Dragons but the prequel that was binned was actually the one pitched before this series. This was the one that was supposed to be fronted by Naomi Watts. And a pilot was even filmed in 2019, which I didn't know about. I would really like to see that pilot just to see where all the craziness went. Obviously, House of Dragons is due to go ahead and it's going to be on HBO Max sometime in 2022. The story is going to be set around the civil war within the House Targaryen known as the Dance of the Dragons. I've not read the book, so that means fuck all to me, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> Obviously, the OG series, a lot of people felt left down at the end of it. Is the world clamouring for another Game of Thrones series now, or would we rather have maybe another year's break? Tara, are you even a fan of Game of Thrones? Um, I was until the last series. It kind of got <laughs> progressively worse. Um, and so subsequently I give no fucks about this dragons stuff. Don't care. It was like, I was, it was like a slog watching mm. it towards the end. And then the ending didn't make any sense. And it was just like, Oh, I can't, I can't do it. So, I mean, if I was asked, I think I'd prefer them to wait another year or two before they revisit it because there might be a resurgence in popularity Mm-hmm. Um, because you know they've all gone on to do other stuff, like um, Amelia Clark's in um, Last Christmas, which I believe Stu is one of yes. your favourite Christmas films. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but you know, um, Kit Harrington's been in stuff, and Richard Madden was in The Bodyguard, and so they're all going off and doing quite well. Um, but then they're not going to be in it anyway. So. No. Stu, I know you were a little bit more forgiving, a bit like myself. Like, I didn't hate the the last season. There were a few duff episodes, but I think that's purely because they felt like they dragged it out a bit. But where are you on the uh, House of Dragons? Are you looking forward to it? I mean, we've got the 11th Doctor in there, so, I mean, that's always a good thing. Yeah. Uh, it's a bit fatigue. I mean, it's been a while as well now since it finished, and it never kind mm. of... It peaked at the Battle of the Bastards with a horse and everything. That whole that whole fight scene was just superb, and it never got back to that. Mm. And in one way, I, I understand why they 
going straight on and do, keeping it alive because if you wait too long, then you get to the stage where who cares anymore anyway. But with yeah. the um, Lord of the Rings series as well, and you're going to have the two of them competing for nerd time. I don't know. So it's it's one of them. It, it, there's going to be arguments. It's going to be like Harry Potter versus Lord of the Rings all over again for uh, for special people. So we'll see see how good it is. I mean, if if they're gonna if they're gonna whack thirty mil if they're gonna whack thirty million down the drain on a on a pilot, then it shows how serious they are. So that's a good sign at least. We'll see. I'm I'm kind of going in with an open mind. Yeah, I think that's the best way to approach it, to be honest. Just judge it on its own merits. If it ends up shitting the bed, so be it, but at least give it a chance, I think. Uh, we have got a date for the Elvis biopic. Director Baz Luhrmann tweeted out, made a little something to let you good people know we are taking care of business on June 24th, 2022. Hashtag Elvis, Elvis, hashtag TCB. So next June, and it's rumoured that taking care of business is going to be the title of the film. Uh, Elvis is being played by Austin Butler, who I have to confess, I don't really know who he is. He's got a few credits to his name, but other than Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I I don't know any of his work. So I'm guessing the big name on this one is going to be Tom Hanks, who is playing Colonel Tom Parker. Oh, that's a good choice. Mm. I, I don't know if we've ever discussed Baz Luhrmann on this podcast what do you think of his work as a director i mean he's either considered to be an innovator or a hack Stu, where do you fall on on lerman's work i've only only seen three of him (laughs) moulin rouge if that was even Mm. him is he i know he was part of it was he director it was because that's the only one of his i've seen (laughs) romeo cross juliet and uh, the great gatsby Mm. and i love all three are great for me well visually great i mean there's issues with some of them anyway, but yeah, bring it on. I mean, we, we, have we even had an Elvis thing recently in the last 20 odd years? Probably not. So it's something new. And it, looking at down these IMDb page, there isn't a lot there really. It's like he picks and chooses mm. things, which is always a good sign really, if you've got that kind of mindset. So yeah, again, this is the first I'd heard about it when you, when you put it in the run order earlier. So Mm. I'm, I'm, interest is peaked on this one. Yeah, same. I, I've seen a few Baz Luhrmann's, and when he's bad, he's really boring. But when he's good, I think he's fun, at least. I mean, Moulin Rouge isn't a great film, but it's a fun film, I mm. suppose you could argue. Tara, what are your thoughts on Lerman? Um, Like I said, I've only seen Moulin Rouge. Um, mm. I saw that at the pictures, and it was a lot of fun when I watched it. But on subsequent reviewing um, a, a few years ago, it's not great. It's quite mm. cheesy. It's well done. It looks fantastic. Um, but I'm quite excited for a. Um, I'm quite excited for a new Elvis movie because the last decent. Well, there was two. There was one with Jonathan Rhys Myers played Elvis in a TV movie. Um, a few years ago and he was really good and then the one that I always come back to is John Carpenter made an Elvis movie back in the early 80s or might have been the late 70s early 80s 79 yeah Yeah. best year obviously Um, and Kurt Russell plays him and I think that was the beginning of Kurt Russell and John Carpenter's working relationship and that's brilliant Kurt Russell is fantastic as Elvis 
So, um, yeah, but I've, yeah, I've, I've seen used, that one. I, I I used to have it on video when I was a kid. Um, like my mum's an enormous Elvis fan, so she's probably going to hate whatever comes out about him. <laughs> but um, it's one of those. No, I'm I'm excited for it. That's that was news to me when I saw it on the running order earlier. I mean, Kurt Russell did pretty much play Elvis in the uh, Christmas Chronicle, really, a couple of years ago. Yeah, he did, didn't he? That was Elvis as Santa Claus. It really was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, of course, you're all also both forgetting the best Elvis biopic, Bubba Hotep. Oh, God, of course. <laughs> <laughs> How could I forget? Yeah. Oh. Uh, now, this was one I put in specifically for Matt. So, Tara, are you a Harry Potter fan by any chance? Nope. No, okay. So the reason I put it in is because obviously we know that Matt is a fan of Harry Potter and they're bringing back the main three, so Daniel Radcliffe, Rupert Rupert Grint and Emma Watson to take part in a retrospective special called Return to Hogwarts and it's going to be on HBO Max again. We don't know where it's going to be shown in the UK um, on the 1st of Jan 2022. I can see that getting similar levels of love as the Friends reunion. I mean, it's not something that I would, I would probably watch it, but it's not something I would be clamouring to see, much like the Friends reunion. I'm guessing Matt will be really excited about it, but <laughs> I'm guessing you two then, as not big fans, as an outsider to the Potter world, what do you think of those three actors? Have you seen much of them? Opinions on them generally? Tara, um, what would you think? I haven't seen Rupert Grint in very much. Um, I've seen Daniel Radcliffe in Horns, which was the Joe Hill film mm-hmm. that was made into a joe hill book that was made into a film he was good in that um i have seen him in other stuff and i couldn't tell you if i've seen emma watson in anything either i've seen i mean yeah. i've seen I, I i think i've seen all the harry potter films but they've been tarred for me because of jk rowling so mm-hmm. you know i'm not a fan of her but i like as them though those three individuals they seem to be decent enough grounded people that like you know Daniel Radcliffe can go off and do a stupid film like Swiss Army Man, and it mm. doesn't matter. Um, he, you know he's made his money. He knows he's always going to be known as Harry Potter, so he can just go and do stupid stuff. Like um, Elijah Wood can go and do stupid stuff, even though he's just just going to be known for being Frodo. Um, it could be interesting. Um, I might give it a watch to see you know what their thoughts are now. Stu, what do you think of the uh, the Holy Trinity of the Harry Potter world? They're all fine. They're all fine. They're, they're just <laughs> very inoffensive. The three of them. No, no one's really done anything bad. And um, this just seems a bit soon. It seems like they're jumping on the, that Friends reunion bandwagon of oh, let's get the band back together and have a bit of a talk. And get some money in for doing very little. Well, it has been 20 years since the first film. That's why it's yeah. this big thing. But I suppose the problem is, is the last film, it's been, when was it? 2010. Oh, actually, so it's been a decade and a bit since then, actually. I'm quite surprised. Mm. Uh, but that, that's the reason behind it, is that it's 20 years since the first film. Much like both of you, like, I, Rupert Grint pops up in things occasionally. I think he's a very fine TV actor. I yeah. don't really think he's got enough else about him. Emma Watson is very pick and choose in what she does. Um, Perks of Being a Warflower, I think, was her. And there is another one I've seen her in. Um, Wasn't she in Beauty and the Beast? Yes, she was. I've not seen that I one. I haven't seen it. No. She's all right. She was perfectly harmless again. It was 
was an amazing performance, but she did the job. Mm. But I, I'll go with, I do like Daniel Radcliffe. I think he's someone who's, as she said, Tara, because he's made his money and made his fame, he doesn't really give a shit now. He just wants to do something that will either challenge him or something that will make him laugh. Yeah. Like it's a, a role that it seems he wants to enjoy, like Swiss Army Band, which is ridiculous, but really good fun at the same time. So I, I do like Radcliffe. I yeah. think he's, um, yeah, he, he's definitely a name. His name on a film would make me watch that film. Yeah, know, I think, think, I think yeah, I think so. Um, like I say, he's like Elijah Wood in that he can, they can just go off on stupid tangents to do stuff and it's fine and it's accepted that they will. They'll mm. do that. Yeah. Uh, this was supposed to be the final piece of news, but I have found some more news after this one. Uh, the universal horror movie Renfield apparently has had a busy few weeks. So a bit of background because it's not something I know a lot about, but Renfield is Dracula's henchman. Uh, he lived in the asylum in Bram Stoker's Dracula. I haven't read that book or seen that film for about 25 years at this point, so it means nothing to me. However, I've become pretty excited about this based purely on the cast and the um, behind the scenes guys. So on writing duty, Ryan Ridley, who was on Invincible, Rick and Morty and Community, Robert Kirkman, who wrote Invincible and The Walking Dead, both the TV series and the comic book, director Chris McKay, who did Lego Batman, Tomorrow War, and he's also got the Lego Batman 2, Johnny Quest, and a Nightwing film coming out. <laughs> so, like, that sounds fantastic. And then in front of the camera, you've got Aquafina, who was in Shang-Chi, who I thought was one of the bright sparks in that film, which was a bit I liked great. it. Do you know, we watched it, um, sorry to interrupt, we, we watched it the other night. Um, my husband had seen it at the pictures, and I wasn't that bothered. And we just put it on, and I thought it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it is. I really did think it, you know, like just for for like however long, like two hours, it was just brain dead nonsense, but it was a lot of fun. And she was great in it. She was so good in it. I thought she was the highlight. Mm. I mean, I, I was bored throughout most of it, to be brutally honest. But of course, I don't know. They, I think they, they leave me cold. Maybe because I could watch know. it at home with a bottle of wine. So that probably helps. <laughs> yeah, I think that, that would definitely help. You will help uh, Eternals. Oh, God. Uh, They've also brought in Nicholas Holt, who is going to be playing the titular Renfield. And as his master, Dracula, that will be another Nicholas, Nicholas Cage. (laughs) (laughs) So for the first time ever, we've got some Nick Nick news here. It's double Nick, Nick squared news. Um, It's still very early days, so I don't know if this is going to be part of the Universal Monsters universe that they try to build, or if it's going to be standalone or... Or whatever, but I've got to admit, I'm, I'm interested just from that cast alone. Mm. It's a pretty stacked card they've got there. Yeah, Tara, obviously you're a bit of a, a horror fanatic. Mm-hmm. Thoughts on Renfield? Is this I something think you it, should be looking forward to? Yeah, I think so. I mean, Nicholas Holt has proved himself time and again to be a really, really good actor. I mean, I haven't, I didn't watch about a boy, and I didn't watch Skins, so I only know him from like um, oh, being um, Hank McCoy. And then um, the guy in uh, Mad Max Fury Road as well. Mm-hmm. So I've seen him in things. And he's he's really talented. He's a really good actor. So I, I'm interested in to see how he's going to play Renfield. Because I don't know, hopefully he won't go the same direction as Tom Waits. Hopefully he'll do a different take on it. Because Tom Waits was him in uh, Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula. Mm. 
But Nicolas Cage is fucking Dracula. <laughs> Talk about scenery chomping there will be, and it will be great. It needs to be a scenery chomping role, though, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, Dracula should be big and camp and silly. Yeah. And it's Nicolas Cage, so it's bound to be all of those things. <laughs> of course it is. Yeah. Yeah, but um, he's also a, a bit of a stud. And in previous episodes, you have spoken about how he's not a stud, and he's really not. But, you know, he'll, he's going to be Dracula. He'll get the chicks. It'll be fine. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Stu, you looking forward to this one, mate? Day one. Absolute day one. Yeah. It is, yeah, yeah, it's. Oh, like, she just stole a whole lot of thunder, really. I mean, I did watch Skins. I liked Skins a lot, and again, you're probably too old for that slightly. Um, Who me? Yeah, thanks for fucking bunch. There you are. This <laughs> is a fact. Well, it was it was on E4 at the start of E4, was it? So it was that kind of that movement. Um, but yeah, he's great. But. Do we? I mean, is it going to be live wig watch? That's the that's the main question. Because <laughs> if he if he goes with it like he did in the um, history of swear words, I mean, he looked like Dracula in that anyway. He did, yeah. Then maybe that's what it's got in the role. Who knows? <laughs> uh, so there was one more piece of news that I discovered in the last couple of hours before this, and it's some of the Batman news. Uh, I found out that. A- Apparently, Druig from the Eternals, Barry Keon, I believe it's pronounced, he's set to feature as Stanley Merkel, which is a deep-cut character from the Batman universe. He's Jim Gordon's first partner in the GCPD. However, the news is that Barry Keon's brother posted on Facebook, so it's finally out, my brother playing the Joker in the new Batman. Unreal stuff. This post was then very quickly deleted whether or not it was a joke and he was taking the piss or Warner Brothers have got on the blower to him and told him to take it down ASAP. Um, <laughs> he was, Barry Keown was like the most interesting one in Eternals, which was a bit of a shit show as we've discussed. Um, if they were to make someone a joker, I wouldn't be massively disappointed in Barry Keown, to be honest. Stu, thoughts? Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's kind of taking the approach that they did with um, with Nigma in Gotham, having him working for Gotham PD, and then turning into a supervillain rather than being an origin story from outside. So, from that point of view, then it w- that was one of the very few things in Gotham that actually did work to start mm. with for me. So, yeah, but now if it is true and he's ruined it all, then <laughs> change your script quickly. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Tara, Batman, Joker, Um, what are we thinking? I haven't seen Eternals, um, but I have seen Barry Keown in um, two other films. He was in Killing of a Sacred Deer, which is Mm -hmm. brilliant. He plays the young lad in that, who Colin Farrell has like a friendship with. And he's also in 71, which is a film about the troubles in the north of Ireland. Yes. Um, And he, you know, from watching him in, well, Killing of a Sacred Deer, he was just, he... He stole the scenes from Colin Farrell. He's that good. And he was like quite young then as well. So I'm interested in seeing him do more because I think he's an interesting character. He's an interesting actor to watch. He's got quite, in- he can be quite intense and brooding without having to, you know, try too hard to do it. Yeah. I mean, I know you've just said you haven't seen Eternals, but <coughs> pretty much the fallout of it is people have hated it, apart from Barry Keown and. 
I can't remember the girl's name in it, but their love interest. People seem to really like their relationship and want more of that. Okay. Um, and I think that's a testament to him. I think he's a very interesting actor. Yeah. Whereas everyone else looked very two-dimensional and phoned in a lot of their performances. He seemed to act with a smile on his face yeah. and he was very warm and inviting and as you've just said I would also be very interested in seeing more of him and if it if he's gonna end up being the Joker I mean the Joker's my favorite character of all time so he will be held to a very high standard of course he will. but it, I'm, I'm looking forward to it yeah yeah no um the Joker it's there's so many strong people have played him so we're just going to take our chances yeah. and see well, Sean Harris is in that 71 film yeah Oh, that's that's added to the list now. Lovely. So that is the news. Uh, we've had some listener questions in. Um, so let me just pull up the tweet. Okay. Uh, Andrew Wright has tweeted and he wants to know what Christmas movie would be improved if it wasn't set at Christmas? Tara? Um... Christ, I don't know. I've got to think. I'm not as I'm not a Christmas movie aficionado, unlike some of us here. <laughs> so, um, can you come back to me on that? I'll have to have a think. Yep, yep. Thank you. See, I would probably go for Die Hard because I don't think the Christmas element really plays anything other than getting Bruce Willis to the Nakatomi Tower for the Christmas party. Yeah. They could have any other party that he's going there for. I don't think Christmas is an integral part to the story, so you could get that. Well, the best thing about it is the uh, the driver rapping along to Run DMC's Christmas rap song. Like that's the best Christmas moment of it, to be honest. I don't know though, but then you're going to get those people who go, "Well, it's not a Christmas film anyway, so you can't have that." Well, uh, <laughs> disturbing news today that, that on Disney Plus, it's not under the Christmas area; it's under action. That doesn't so, make sense. It, it, well, it, it is both, but maybe it's a Christmas film. Maybe because the other, well. The second one's more of a Christmas film and makes sense as a Christmas film because of the setting and the whole airport. Mm-hmm. So that has to be set at Christmas. So it's not even just to categorise them all together. It's just being mean. Mm. But yeah, Have the, you got an answer to the question, Stu? Lethal Weapon, it, again, the same thing. It's set mm. at Christmas, but there's no need other yeah. than to see how pathetic he is in his, in his, his camp. Well, it's not even a camper van. It's like a caravan with a shitty little tree in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe Black Christmas because it's just a load of killings that are happening, and it doesn't have to be set at Christmas, really. Mm-hmm. Do you know? It's I haven't not seen that for years. It's, it's, good call, it's yeah. Um, and I know they remade it. My friend watched it. She said it was a, a dog shit. So I haven't watched that one. I've watched the original one. But I um, think they remade it twice, if I remember correctly. I've yeah. definitely seen one of them because they remade mm. it. It was out maybe the year before last. But um, yeah. the original one, um, it doesn't need to be set at Christmas. It just it could just be any other sort of slasher. Mm. That's fair. Um, we have had Ash Dolan. Netflix came calling, come calling and tell you they want you to make a film for them. They're giving you a blank checkbook. <clears throat> they need the next great film. You have total free reign. So what genre are you picking? What happens in the film? What director are you appointing? And who are your big cast? Uh, we'll break that down. So 
Stu, I want you to tell me the genre and what's the big plot throughout it. Well, the genre is going to be silly action comedy, and the plot okay. is the plot is a mashup of National Treasure, Fast and Furious. <laughs> 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 and That's Christmas. Good. Okay. And of course Christmas is going to be in there. Tara, you get to pick the director. Danny Villeneuve. Oof. Okay. Oh. That's going to be arty farty in about four hours long if it's yeah. on Netflix. <laughs> so I'm obviously going with The Rock because <laughs> why wouldn't you? Do The Rock and Nicolas Cage work? Because if it's going to be a national treasure, we can even bring him back as Benjamin Gates. Exactly. And The Rock can be the big bad guy at the end of it. He could even be Black Adam, and then it just rolls straight into the DC Black Adam film. So, yeah. Nicolas Cage and The Rock will be the cast. Good stuff. <laughs> Todd DeWitt, from all the way over on the other side of the world, which Nick Cage character would make the best wrestling persona, and what would their finishing move God. be called? I'll let you two think of this one because being the wrestling nerd I am, it would obviously be Nick Cage from Face Off as Cast the Troy. And the fi- the finishing move would be the face off. It would be like a claw to the face, and that would be his finishing move, it'd be a submission hold. Um, oh. I'm thinking of someone really like weak and, and dweeby like, so <laughs> I'm gonna say because of the season, whoever he plays in Trafting Paradise. <laughs> but with this, with the, the finishing move that the Miz had, okay, the skull crushing finale. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, I am going for him in my favourite Nicolas Cage film, Peggy Sue Got Married. Charlie Bodle in Peggy Sue Got Married. Actually, no, scratch that. Fuck that. No, I'm having him from Mandy. Ugh. Yeah, I mean that. Yeah. <laughs> To be a bit of From halfway through, yeah, that's the perfect one, isn't it? <laughs> and uh, his finishing move is... Uh, I don't know any wrestling finishing moves anymore. The DDT? Is that still one? Was that one? Was that the that's Undertaker's move, one? Yeah, that yeah. was uh, Jack the Snake, Robert. Jake the, yeah, him. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, Matt Cunnington, if you could go back in time and stop one film you have seen from being made, which film would it be and why? Tara, anything you particularly hate? <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I, I hate a lot of things in general. <laughs> um, the one film that I really, really hate. Uh, I haven't seen it, but I'm just going to say the Fifty Shades of Grey trilogy. It's not that bad. Yeah, but sorry, if you've got to use slash fiction to get yourself off what's going on in your own head do you know what i mean <laughs> i'd rather i'd rather go to a porn cinema and watch actual porn so it's because it's just it's it's trumped up um twilight fan fiction and el mm. james should never have made all that money from the books and the film but no just you know disgusting you know what's a better film than that? What, what I mentioned way back at the start of this podcast, three three hundred sixty five Din, which is the uh, a Polish kind of yeah, yeah. It was on Netflix. That's mm. amazing. That is. Well, I wouldn't say amazing. It's of the same <laughs> genre, but it's comparatively. It's, yeah, compared to what them three are, I don't think I've even seen the third one. I and remember. I know they didn't have any chemistry either, did they? 
So Oh no, they hated yeah. each other. Well that's it. Like, why would you? And anyway, you know, I couldn't watch it now even if I wanted to because Jamie Dornan's a fucking honeybee. So <laughs> <laughs> Stu, what would you uh, scrub from your memory and history given the chance? The obvious answer is the last half area next, but that's <laughs> um, <laughs> There has to be that. It's films that I'm disappointed with, and for the vast majority of things, I've been trying to take some joy from all of them. Mm. At least some. Maybe, mm, maybe Home Alone three, because if it stayed at the first two and never moved, then we could have it back properly as a as a as a resurgence and have it all back together, rather than this nonsense. That's, well, I know we're going to have to watch it and talk about it at some point mm. in the future, but. Having him back as as Buzz, which you presume that he is, that's it. What about the rest of them? So yeah. I know some of them are dead now, unfortunately. But if the other not the silly ones didn't exist, I know they could do the, what they do with Halloween and whatever and just ignore them. But they're still there. So yeah, Home Alone three, fuck it off. <laughs> <laughs> I think right. It's a film I like. But if we got rid of Saw, we would get rid of a shitload of torture porn that followed it. Mm. And for me, that's like the lowest of the low when it comes to the horror genre. I just think torture porn is such a boring thing. It, it tries to shock without really doing anything. Mm. So I'm just not a fan of like the whole hostel and all that crap that followed it and the human centipede. They weren't eerie, scary films. They just centipede. went for the shock value. A human centipede is essentially just a mad doctor film. That's all it is. It's not a very good it is, one. but it's shit. That's, that's <laughs> the biggest... The worst Lit- thing Literally. Is, yeah. They could have made it and at least been camp and over the top and stupid about it, but they didn't. They tried to make it some kind of Cronenberg-esque movie hmm. and failed miserably. Have you seen the other two? No, the second one's fucking horrible, and the third one is just really annoying. (laughs) I've yeah, I've watched them all. Um, Mm. I don't know because like, I quite like the new French extremity movement. So you've got Mm -hmm. Martyrs and you've got Switchblade Romance, um, and they would possibly be classed as torture porn. Um, They do stick with you afterwards. So I don't know. I'm 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 I can take all. I mean, I guess Serbian film is made. It was made for controversy's sake, but mm-hmm. then again, I have watched it, and the horrible bits are horrible. But it's a shame nobody's going to watch it because the acting, the fellow who plays the main guy, is a really, really talented actor. But no one's mm. going to watch it because they've read about it. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. To be honest, I hate French cinema. It just takes me back to university and falling asleep during <laughs> French cinema lectures. No, Martha, right, the only good one I've seen. Martha's uh, and Climax and Raw as well. Raw's a good one. I love Raw. Raw is excellent movie. That's the exception that proves the rule, I think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we've got one final question from uh, our good mate Richard Hobbs. What is your favourite non-Christmas-themed th- film to watch over the festive period? Personally, Richard is looking forward to watching Hook, which has popped up on Netflix. For me, it would probably be Labyrinth. That's one film that always makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside. And I think at Christmas time, that's the perfect film to watch. Stu, what would you go for? 
could cheat and say planes, trains, and automobiles because it's not Christmas, is it? But it's, uh, oh, it's, I yeah. love that though. That is brilliant. Um, mm. But I didn't watch it. I watched it last year, but that's on the rotational, so that's that's in two years' time. Um, <laughs> you fucking the one that nerd. Re- <laughs> there's too many. You can't. It's not possible. I think I got I got through 28 Christmas films last year, and that was <laughs> and there was a lot missing off. So I've kind of I've got a list now of what gets watched which year. Um, Lord of the Rings for me because that's when it came out for that then for them four years. Yeah, for them four years because you had the extended edition DVD the year after then. So mm-hmm. for them four years, Lord of the Ring, watching Lord of the Rings at Christmas was a thing. And even yeah. like we're talking twenty odd years ago now, which is <laughs> shockingly bad um, to think about. That it still reminds me of Christmas, even though there's a bit of snow in one of them. <laughs> That's it. But yeah, Lord of the Rings. Um, Tara, either some like it hot or singing in the rain because they tend to be on like on bbc2 on christmas morning and so i mean singing in the rain is my favorite film and i can watch it anytime but if it's you know if it's christmas morning and we're up and we're awake and we've unwrapped our presents and we're starting the books fizz and it's on i will sit there and watch it regardless (laughs) of the fact i've got about three different blu-ray versions of it because it's just it's my happy place Mm. It's my cool. it's my happy place in a film. So. Mm. Also thinking about it, I think for the last two Christmases, I've watched Moana on Christmas Day. <laughs> so there's every chance that that will be what I choose to watch, my non-Christmas Christmas film. <laughs> uh, so thank you very much for getting your questions in. They are much appreciated as ever. Please make sure you've got us on the Twitter at CageFightingPod to send in any future questions. Uh, on to the Hot Take Corner next. The question I've got for you, Pear, is nostalgia a dirty word? So Ghostbusters Afterlife has received some criticism recently because there are certain elements of it which seem to be pandering to the nostalgia aspect. So we get the mini puffed, so the safe puffed marshmallow man in miniature form. They serve no purpose to the film other than being a cutesy reminder of what's happened. And it's drawn some criticism that that then takes away from the flow of the film. And also, I suppose, in some respects, when you look at something like um, Last Night in Soho, which is literally about dwelling on the past being a bad thing. <coughs> so, is nostalgia a dirty word? Tara? Um, it depends on where you're coming at it from. I, I don't think so, because... I am very much. I was very much born at the wrong time. I should have been born in the at, at the tail end of the uh, in the middle mid forties, so I could have been a teenager in the fifties because that's <laughs> very me. So I always look back to that's my favorite film is from the nineteen fifty. My two of my favorite films from the nineteen fifties. When I do, um, you know, when I do my radio shows, the music I tends to play tends to be old stuff, and it's not for the sake of it's because that's the stuff that I really enjoy. But I get where you're coming from with the, you know, the callbacks to this from Ghostbusters or this for, um, what was the other, there was another reboot or remake of something and it called back to the previous stuff. So I do, I, I, I get it. I'm, I personally don't think it's a dirty word myself. Stu, you and I are like diametrically opposed when it comes to Star Wars chat. Um my biggest criticism of 
episode seven is that it is just a rehash of a new hope. And I love the fact that Last Jedi completely wipes the slate clean, gives you a complete different and new take on it, and tries to push the 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 story along. Now you obviously I know you're a big fan of episode seven and you hate the Last Jedi. So where do you fall on nostalgia for the sake of nostalgia in films? I only hate Last Jedi because it's shit. Not the fact that it did something different. Uh, that was the one I was going to bring up, that The Last Jedi and Ghostbusters Afterlife are very similar in the, th- the fact that they do almost beat for beat in places, just copy the original. But who cares? It's fun. It's film. It's not real. It's People who don't like nostalgia are boring saddos. That's the problem. That's that's what they are. They've got fight, no fun fight, in their lives. Fight, fight. <laughs> They've got no fun in their lives, and we saw this with all the reviews of, it, of Ghostbusters. Everyone who watched it back then loved the, on a, on a whole, loved this film. Mm-hmm. Kids who've who've got no idea what Ghostbusters is loved this film. So that kind of goes against this whole argument that well, the little the, the little puffs are only there for the old people. When no, because they're obviously going to sell little toys, ain't they? It's inevitable. Like why the porgs are there, and let's not go there again. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, as long as it doesn't completely take over, then I don't see what the problem is. It's mm-hmm. a nice little reminder for people in the for people who, who like the original stuff, and it's. It's kind of a hint to the original stuff for for new people. So I can't see how it's ever going to be a bad thing when you're giving d- two different sets of people something good to look at. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think Ghostbusters was very much on the line. Like it didn't quite cross the line into being uh, mawkish, pay, uh, paying your respects to the history. I think they took it right to the edge where it made you look back and smile at what was there. Whereas I felt that a Force Awakens was just one hundred percent beyond the line and kept going and going, and I, I think when you know where that line is, nostalgia is fine. Don't do it just for the sake of doing it. Yeah, and I, I don't think Ghostbusters did that. I think they just got it the balance just right. Personally, in Ghostbusters, when when the the gun the uh, the gun runner seat comes out of Ecto One, I I made a little like squeak. So I was that excited because obviously that's, a, that's not in the first two, the first films, is it? And it's, I don't think it's in the game either um, from 2009. So it's basically just from the series and from the toy that yeah. we all had. Yeah. So, but it's integral to the plot because then you have the little car and everything that happens in the town. So even just that that point alone, it works on both ways. Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. Excellent. Thank you. So the next one is the non-film question, which this week is my turn. And I want to know what is the best Christmas number one single in the UK? And if you can tell me what the worst is as well, you'll get bonus points. Stu, what's the best? So looking at the list, I've done this. because It's only fair. I've done this because you're going back to the 50s otherwise. I've done this list from... My my being alive time. Okay, you're missing out. Uh, maybe, but this is my own rules. Um, <laughs> and the stuff in there that what came to my mind first was obviously Mr. Blobby, but that's not going to be disbanded straight away. So, one that I actually bought was Mad World. I fucking love that song. Okay, 
And I know it's it's the, the Donnie Darko thing, and you hate Donnie Darko, whatever. Yeah, not a big fan. But yeah, Mad World, or um, again, very similar kind of thing from the year of my birth. Only <laughs> you by the Flying Pickets. Okay, that I, I like that one. That's a, a cracking tune. Mm. Great choice. Right. And the, the worst you want. I was gonna say you want the, the one the worst or yeah, come, yeah. Go, go for the worst then shoot. I mean, there was something about sausage rolls last year. That was that's just enough. Oh fucking lad, baby, is it? I don't even know who this prick is. It's just like he's just at okay. number one all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It, over the, I, I think I, I would be surprised if all three of our. Worst ones aren't from the last 20 years, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> there has been like a proper nosediving quality when it comes to chart music. Tara, your best and worst, please, for Christmas th- number one. I think what's sad is, because I always take Christmas number one to be songs about Christmas. Um, mm. So number one is clearly Merry Christmas, Everybody by Slade. Well, yeah. yeah. You know, because we've got to have King Noddy in there. Um but then, if we're doing the worst Christmas song, it's got to be Mistletoe and Wine. No, oh, sorry, Saviour's Day, fucking Saviour's Day. Yeah, okay, yeah, I'll allow that one. Mistletoe and Wine—that might just be my age because that was like at the right time for it to still be. It was never at the right time for anybody, unless you're your nan. But Saviour's <laughs> Day—you got the little sway going on when it comes on. I couldn't give two fucks. Awful. Open your eyes and Saviour's Day. Don't look back. No way. <laughs> Life will be yours. Right, I've I've got to go now. See ya. Yeah. <laughs> you mock you mock the you mock the the Christmas Lord himself. What Jesus? <laughs> There's only one Christmas. He could very well be Jesus. Who knows? He's old enough. He's had probably so better pricks in him as well. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> Allegedly, don't want to get sued. Don't want Kitty to sue you, God. Right, my answer was going to be Merry Christmas, everybody, because it is a Christmas song and it was number one, so Mm. it's the perfect Christmas number one. Uh, Unfortunately, most of the other ones that came, or the other Christmas songs weren't that good that made it to number one at least. So I'm going to have to go back to the 1990s the decade that was just all about pure class, and we're going to go with Spice Girls to become one. That's the one. I thought Stu was going to steal. No, it's not. It's the best. I was going to say you. you know know, I thought you were going to say the worst. The amount of times that that video has been watched, and because Jerry in that fire. No, it was Victoria Adams all the way. It was like girls with like dark hair. So that's yeah, that did it for me. But I didn't realise that 96, it was two become one. 97 was too much and 98 was goodbye. So they had three number ones in a row. It's quite impressive. Goodbye was just after Jerry left. And the video to that, I remember, is um, they're like little um, stop motion animation fairies. So that's mm-hmm. a, yeah, yeah, quite cute. Yeah. At my worst, <coughs> I mean... You can go for something like Bob the Builder or Mr. Blobby, which they're not really songs, are they? Let's be honest. They're just excuses to get kids to spend money on shit. So I sort of get that. Um, I'll accept them for what they are, really. But I I can't get past the Alexandra Burke hallelujah. Mm. That was very much at the time when 
X Factor and all that stuff was just ubiquitous. It was every single year. It was such a really, it was an anti-artistic movement yeah. that was going on. Yeah. And I think at that point, even more so than when we had Leon Jackson, uh, Leona Lewis and the likes before, it felt like it came to a head then. And in fact, the year after was Rage Against the Machine, Killing in the Name. Um, which was very much a movement against the X Factor nonsense. I know. Uh, I know somebody who was my friend Tracy was part of that campaign. Her and her then husband put that campaign together. So oh really? Yeah, yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. You know what? Talking about this, I had. um, That's my goal. By Shane Ward, was the first ever thing I (laughs) played. I played the video of that that song on my PSP the day that I had it that Christmas. I download because I thought, well, what what can I possibly download to have? And for some reason, I had this the the video for that single was downloaded as an, as an MP4. So. Why would you admit that? Because that's you've heard this podcast. I have heard this podcast. Yeah, that's it. That's a part of the course. It's a great song. That's my goal, Shane Ward. When he's he's sitting just straight to uh, straight to the camera. Now, there's some of them. The, the, the rest of the, the X Factor stuff, no. Even Matt Cardle, which I've got my Matt Cardle hat still somewhere. Um, <laughs> oh, was that um, was that when he, he covered Many of Many Horror? Of horror? Mm-hmm. Fucking... But it, it wasn't called Many of Horror. No, they called um, it When We Collide. Yeah. 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 Embarrassing shit. I'm that amazed was. that Biffy Clyro let them do that, actually. Genuinely mm. am. They got paid for it, though, didn't they? That's the only reason they would have allowed oh, it. Mm, I see him as a bit of a sellout for it. Yeah. That's just me. Yeah, that's that's... The music business in general, isn't it? But you did have <laughs> Sound of the Underground, though, or Girls Are Loud. That's, that's acceptable. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah. Because yeah. girl groups are infinitely better than, like, 90% of anything else. When it comes to pop music, if it's a girl group, it's usually brilliant. Because they can't just rely on teen girls buying the records, whereas boy bands generally can, because it's more about what the boy band looks like. And as long as they sing about love and... Oh, Backstreet's back. That's a certified banger. That's one of the best. Yeah. Yeah, but it took so, a long time to get to that point for them. It's true. They've a lot of dreck before that. <laughs> yeah. So, so keep on moving by five. That's but a that's cracker. That's great. <laughs> with the um, with Britney Spears, though, that worked in their favour because if you bought the CD version of, that, of Hit Me Baby One More Time, there was a, a Britney poster. And yeah, very few of us had CD players, but we all bought the CD single for that poster. What did you stick it to your wall with, Stu? What do you think? How <laughs> <laughs> my glue? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that was the reason I bought the Holly Valance uh, Naughty Girl oh. because it came with the uh, the the video loaded onto the the CD disc. Yeah. To give Holly Valance her like fifth mention of the year. <laughs> I don't think she's been mentioned in any other walk of life so regularly as on this podcast. <laughs> she deserves it. She does. She does. So I want to know next, what have you been watching lately? Tara, start us off. Um, I've been watching quite a lot of stuff. Um, just finished Doctor Who Flux. What a fucking fuck. pile of dog shit that last episode was. No spoilers. I've not watched the last Okay, one. it's just not good. That, that that's 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 not a spoiler. It's the truth. Well, it, the other five haven't been good, so I, I was quite loved. excited. I enjoyed. I uh, the first one was all over the place. I enjoyed the next four, 
this last one i just you know i, I could have i could have spent more time had more fun you know hitting my head off a brick wall <laughs> um but yeah that was shit um hawkeye Yes. Which I'm really enjoying, despite it having Jeremy Renner in, because I can't <laughs> fucking stand him. Um, That's the correct answer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> also, um, the guy, you know, the guy in it who plays um, the girl's interpreter, that's mm. my friend's boyfriend. <laughs> Fra Fee. Yeah, he's, he's from Ireland. He's my friend's boyfriend, so that's another. I've never met him. Um, Midnight Mass. We've watched. That was incredible. Haven't watched Squid Game still. Midnight Mass nominated for three awards today. Oh, brilliant. And Squid Game apparently has been confirmed for a season two as well. Okay. Recently, so you need to get on that one because, yeah, yeah, that... that I've seen Battle Royale. Do I really need to? Yeah. (laughs) You do. do. It is good. And um, we started watching Chucky, the Chucky TV series, which is fucking brilliant. Great fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, There are other things like... Drag Race UK fuming at the result of that, and the Boulet Brothers Dragula, which is on Shudder, which is a drag. It's like RuPaul's Drag Race, but um, they have to dress up hideously. It's fantastic. Oh, I love it. (laughs) Really love it. But yeah, excellent. That's about it. Super, Stu. What have you been there? Cinema or TV? Well, the Hawkeye got me Christmas Eve straight away. That's what. um, (laughs) That's got me in the vibe straight off. And yeah, it's. It's the best Marvel thing for a good three or four years, maybe even since the last Spider-Man. If we've all been honest with ourselves, okay. it's just it's just wonderful. That there's like the silly Marvel gags that you you know were coming. Like the thing about Imagine Dragons from yeah. the third episode, <laughs> just stupid, but it just works. Um, yeah, that obviously I was able to get me out of here because it's that time of year it has to be done. Um. I'm trying to think because I'll um, Beatles get back. What a production that series, mini series, film slog, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> it's just it's so, there's nothing happens at all, but it's just fascinating because you're watching a glimpse of life from 1969 as if mm. it looks brand new on the footage that they've managed to restore to that level. And I watched a video with um, Peter Jackson today saying that they invented a new technique, as is his want with these things, to um, to clean up the audio because it was all mono. Oh, so the, the, wow. they used they invented software and machine learning to kind of get part of the track from one mono one mono recording, so they could ampl- amplify the bass and the guitars and the, the speech and everything. And you you never in a million years tell, but it's just. From a from a, a piece of filmmaking sense, it's like nothing ever you've ever seen. If you don't like the Beatles, there's no real point because it's <laughs> it's four scousers sitting around pissing about for six seven hours, basically. Mm. Um, but what I did get to finally was um, last night in Soho, and fuck me, that's a film. <laughs> it's great, isn't it? I still haven't had the chance because I think Coventry Odeon had it for like half an hour on a Thursday or something. Oh, right. So I haven't. Yeah, it needs to be seen. It's, yeah. it's special, isn't it, Shu? I mean, it comes to something when you look at the... Um, I, I just had a, a curiosity. I looked at the the Apple charts 
and Cilla Black was in there. And you thought, well, there's only one reason this is this is there, and that's from this film. Yeah, it's it, absolutely. I mean, Tara, I know we've spoken previously about a uh, pretty young, um, promising young, promising young woman. Woman. Last night has vibes of that film oh, okay. in there for me. No, so, I, yeah. I really did want to see it, but we've just got the shittest Odeon in the country. So, <laughs> so shit, they showed Malignant. <laughs> fucking awful. <laughs> what a fucking that shit show. Oh, God. I enjoyed Malignant. It was fucking terrible, but... Yeah, I enjoyed it. I, I brought, I snuck some wine in, so I was all right. But oh, fucking hell. Then. Yeah. <laughs> so I've had the last week off work, so I've been to the cinema almost every day. Um, obviously, I went to see Ghostbusters Afterlife, which was previously been mentioned. Just an absolute fucking thrill ride. Really wonderful, fun movie. Um, I went to see House of Gucci, which is both ridiculous and sublime. I thought that Gagar was fantastic in it, but also really batshit crazy as well. And it worked perfectly for the character. And Jared Leto might put in the worst performance I've ever seen, but I I really liked it at the same time. (laughs) I also saw Encanto, the latest Disney movie. I wasn't overly bothered about seeing it, I've got to be honest. But then I heard a few reviews praising it, so I thought I'll give it the time of day. And I was sat in the biggest screen in um, the Wolverhampton cinema on my own, shaking my ass to the songs because they were so infectious. <laughs> like Lin-Manuel Miranda is, I suppose he's the modern day Stephen Sondheim, isn't he? Like he's just phenomenally good at getting the right sound for the for the the culture that he's trying to represent. So impressive. I loved Encanto. You know what? The... Now you mention him, as soon as that, well, if that ever comes to BBC One, maybe in five years' time, Hamilton could be that Christmas Day um, <coughs> extravaganza that everyone sits down to watch together. Yeah, I agree. I think it really could. Yeah. I also saw a Christmas film called Boxing Day, and it was absolute turgid shite. It was <laughs> awful. The whole premise of the film didn't make any sense whatsoever. I get the impression it's a film that wasn't made for me. It's made with a black director starring mostly black cast. But I can sit through any old shit. I, I really can and enjoy myself, even if it's not pitched at me. But the story wasn't there. The jokes weren't strong enough. The face turn at the end, I suppose you'd call it, comes out of nowhere. And the girl from Little Mix might be the worst actor I've seen this year. <laughs> and I have seen some absolute shit this year. There's, I've said to you before, Stu, there was some proper smell the fart acting going on in some parts. She was abysmal. Uh, and to round it off, I saw another Christmas film this week, which my other half, Katie, really wanted to see and kept going on about. So I thought, okay, I'll, I'll watch it because she wants to watch it. So we'll, we'll see what, where we go. And it's called Single All The Way. And it's about this guy who um, is a gay guy who goes home for Christmas and he's always known as the single one of the family. So he brings along his best friend for moral support. And all of his family believe that they should actually be a couple. And it's really sweet and heartwarming and silly. And it's exactly what you want a Christmas film to be. It was lovely. So I'm really glad that she recommended that one because it was a great choice at the end of it all. So on to our individual questions next. Tara, ask the guest. Mm-hmm. Take the floor. What's your question for the uh, the group? Okay. 
Um, we mentioned earlier Battle Royale. So if there was a Battle Royale style tournament for cage fighting, who'd win? <laughs> well, I think Matt's shown tonight that he's the, the lucky one by being able to <laughs> escape an electrocution. So my money would be on masks. I reckon he's quite wily as well. I reckon he could uh, put up a fight. Hmm. So I, I thought this, but then you, maybe you can intimidate him with weird things. Like, <laughs> How weird are we talking, Stuart? No, no, well, yeah. I don't ask him. Not his mind, fucking hell. Yeah, that you, that you, you could get in his head easily with if you play if you play dirty like that, then. Maybe there's Again, a chance. how dirty are we talking? Well, yeah. <laughs> there was a kid. There was a, kid, another, a story. Well, a little story from the past. There was a kid at school called Anton. And in am I going to bleep the name out? No, he's in prison. Don't matter. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> he was that last time I knew, heard. Anyway, and he had this. Um, there was this thing with. I think it was Chris. I don't know, I'm not sure who his assailant was. And it was in PE, and obviously no one ever had a share in PE, did they? Even though you were told to every day, mm. come back completely, completely covered in mud, just get changed. Didn't matter. Um, but he just he literally st- stuck a pen up his arse and flicked it across the, the, the changing room, and it, it fled <laughs> in the face. So that was um, yeah. That you know the <laughs> dirty talk. Then maybe maybe that's the way to defeat Matt. But yeah, he's too he's too stocky and small. He, he's, I mean. You you just ruled out completely because you're not a fighter, are you? Regardless, I'm a lover, yeah. not a fighter. Huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we've established this in the uh, in the fancast group before that before now. So, <laughs> but I'll you I'll use tricks and cunning, a bit like Loki. Um, <laughs> but yeah, if you're on raw power and uh, if you, if it was in a literal cage to fight in, then Matt would win. Yeah. No, no doubt whatsoever. <laughs> of course, of course. If I was there, it would be me. I would beat you all. Well, we can't hit the girl, can we? So that's that's the rules. Yeah. Well, not in a fight to the death. Fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> and then hit them after. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Super. Thank you. Right, Stu. Your question next, please. Um, yeah. Well, I think we kind of hinted on it with Game of Thrones earlier in what is the perfect length for a TV series to last for because obviously things like Supernatural lasted for 15 and I was talking to Goldie about this and he's, he tapped out around about series 8 or 9 or whatever um, and it went away and then it came back quality wise mm. it dipped in the middle dropped off a cliff and then came back and it ended pretty well but there's a lot of things that outstay the welcome so what is the optimal cut-off point for a series? Tara? Um, I think it depends on what kind of series it is. So my huge bugbear was, and it's going to be another, I don't think he will have been mentioned as much ever, Jamie Dornan thing. The Fall. The Fall did not need to be three series long. The Fall Mm. did not need to be two series long. It should have just been one series with eight episodes. Mm. They could have resolved it all. But then they knew they had a hit on their head because I remember watching that and um, the series had series one hadn't finished and they were already advertising for series two coming in the autumn. So that fucked me off. And I watched it and it was just a massive waste of time. Um, but things like the, like we we don't watch The Walking Dead anymore. Like once they got to that place where that girl with the fringe who can't talk properly um, 
that compound place. I mm. just couldn't fucking cope with it. Couldn't do it. <laughs> so I don't even know how many series of that there are. That's um, just about to start the 11th, is it, Shay? Um, midway through the 11th. Yeah, midway the through the last 11th. one. I just, I don't know. I think I, the, what was a good one was, um, I don't know if you watched The Stand that was on recently with no. um, Alexander Skarsgård and um, Amber Heard, I think, was in it. Um, the retelling of Stephen King's book, The Stand. So there was the TV miniseries in the 90s with Molly Ringwald and Gary Sinise. And this is a retelling. It was really good. And that was just one series done and dusted and wrapped. And that was perfect. But there it's based on source material. So, um, but Game of Thrones, one, like anything that goes on for more than, if it's a continuum, like Game of Thrones, like you've got to remember what's happened. And like I lost it halfway through. I just couldn't cope. But if it's something like Line of Duty, like I haven't watched Line of Duty, but I know that it will be a different case each series. That's fine. So that can that can continue on, but something that's continuous, like the Vampire Diaries or Buffy or whatever, I just I can't. I'd just lose it. I just, you know, I'd I'd sooner be out on the piss <laughs> or doing something actually fun without having to be trying to be invested in something and forgetting half the characters' names because they were introduced in series one episode two and then they come back for series four episode five and like who are these cunts mm. yeah i i agree pretty much to be honest there's two answers so when it's a standalone if it's a netflix one it's almost certainly eight episodes is the right length for a single season before there's a dip because with the netflix stuff and with prime almost all of their series the seventh or eighth episode just turns to shit. And then they just fart along for the last few just to get it over the line. Uh, but in the grander sense of the, the length of a, the life of a TV show, I think when it comes to comedy, you don't want any more than six seasons. I don't think I've ever seen a show go over six seasons and it still have the same quality that it's had prior to that. South the Park. reason being, Simpsons. yeah, South Park is the exception that proves the rule, I think. I mean, you look at The Simpsons, The Simpsons had real good sweet spot from about season three to seven and just died. <coughs> like, after that, they're not even worth your time, the time of day. I think the problem is with comedy, if it goes for such a long time, you need to be able to keep up with <clears throat> the trends in comedy. Simpsons hasn't done that. No. Simpsons is still doing the same kind of comedy it was trying to do back in the late 80s, early 90s. So you want to make sure that it's very much fitting of its time period and comedy needs to reflect that. So if you go over six seasons, you're generally going to be struggling. Mm. If it's something that's drama, you'll notice that 90% of the time, stuff like Next, Prison Break, uh, Blacklist was another one that I really enjoyed when it started. They all started off just with a one-season promise, so they never planned beyond it. When they then got renewed for second, third, fourth seasons... It wasn't until they got to the fourth season they started to think of their exit plan, but yeah. they didn't know when the exit plan would be, so they ended up just treading ground. So for me, a drama needs to be no more than four seasons yeah. with no more than eight to maybe ten episodes at a push. Mm. The The fascination of American TV to have between 18 and 24 episodes is absolutely obscene. It's just far too much television to try and fart out. Well, you look at 24... 
as soon as as soon as they, they, they dropped the nuclear bomb, <laughs> yeah, and LA and no one died, then it it still carried on for the four years after that. That that was when I tapped out. Was the nuclear bomb? That was the last episode I watched. It was ridiculous. Yeah, lost as well. We no, yeah. don't know. No, no. Matt loves that, but I tapped out of that halfway through as well. You watch it. You, you watch it all now. Oh, it works. No it chance. works. It works very well. I've got better things to be doing with my time. It's like a hundred and something episodes, isn't it? <laughs> Fuck that. No it's misunderstood. Lost was. Um, <laughs> it's misunderstood by the writers, I think. <laughs> and then Heroes went on for ages as well. I mean, we stopped watching Heroes in series two because there was a bloke in it doing an Irish accent, and he wasn't Irish, and it was such a bad fucking accent. I was like, no more, <laughs> none of this, I, thanks. I so. stopped watching Heroes on the last but one episode of season one. Couldn't be bothered. Yeah. Heroes Reborn was it Reborn or whatever it, when it when it came back to finish it off mm. that was all right that was again that was coming back to fix what they fucked up in the first place but again the, the problem with Heroes it, it was during the writer strike as well so they got completely ruined yeah mm. true and they went down tangents that obviously were written by knobheads that made no sense at all and then they're trying to retrofit it all back in yeah I think like things like the wire that they, they know what they are. And it's perfect. Mm. Apparently, the Sopranos is the same. Don't know. Not silly. Still, um, but yeah, I think I think you're right. I think four four is probably the the prime time to to say bye bye because I think Fringe Fringe was one where it actually worked for sci fi. I think that was six. Mm. Um, that was really good from start to finish, and it never kind of dipped at all. But and then you got things like the BBC comedies like Faulty Towers and extras in the office two three seasons six episodes done yeah. that's all yeah. we need no pissing about yeah whereas american office obviously different thing exception to the rule again yeah. um yeah i think that you are right as well with the keeping up with comedy styles because south park they've never given a fuck anyway yeah. since 1997 so mm. that never gets old but at the same time, if you watched epi- if they put out the first episode now, this that show wouldn't still be running in twenty whatever years time. I don't think. Oh no! If if you watch the first four seasons now, I think they're back on Prime now. Um, mm. You try and watch the, the the first few, and it's painful. Mm. How there's like gaps between this when they're talking. It's not like bang bang bang, like really quick fire anymore. <laughs> back then, which you don't remember because it's nearly yeah. tw- over twenty years ago. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I think that's the the conclusion. Four, four for dramas and a few more for comedy if it's irrelevant. It mm. it depends though. I mean, because if you've watched, I think you should leave with Tim Robinson on Netflix. I can have as many series of that because every single sketch in that is fucking mental, and you never know where it's going to go, and it's absurdist humour. So I can that can carry on forever. We've only had two series of it, but. Yeah, but that's that's what I mean. But like Curb as well. <coughs> Curb's just stupid, and it's yeah, it is it is what it, it works perfectly for that kind of thing. It's still going strong as well. Yeah. Like season eleven is still really good fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, brilliant. Uh, so my question's up next. I want to know with the latest season of Doctor Who finishing this weekend. I want to know what is the best film featuring any of the actors who have portrayed the Doctor since the show's return in 2005. Stu? 
So you're not saying they had to star in it, they just had to be in it? It had to be the Doctor. Oh, they don't have to star in the film, no. They just have to be in the film, yeah. Okay, so I've got two. One is, it's already been mentioned, last night in Soho. Mm -hmm. Because I thought he was actually really, really good in that. Yeah, he was brilliant, wasn't he? (laughs) Um, Again, no spoilers because it's new. Um, And Eccleston in Legend, which that Mm -hmm. film does not get talked about anywhere. Oh, the Tom Hardy one. Yeah. That was fucking great. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that's, that. That's what I mean. It's a, it's an incredible film, but no one talks about it at all anywhere. No, never it's gets like it's mentioned. Bit, it's like scrubbed from history. Mm, yeah, that's a good shows. Uh, I, I love Tom Hardy as well. That is a good, mm. strong film. That is. So I, I kind of like add, add one for each of them. I mean, Capaldi's probably Suicide Squad because it was just funny with it. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. Tenant Tenant was secret, secret Smile, although that was kind of a broken in half. TV film. Mm. There, was, there was two episodes rather than a vi- one. But you can find it as one. It was where he played a rapist before. Uh, be, he was announced for Doctor Who and then they showed this film where he was a rapist and then he played Doctor Who, which was nice. <laughs> but yeah, he's Incredible. excellent in that. If, if you can find it, watch it. Secret Smile. Great. Tara, what about you? I've only really seen Eccleston and Capaldi and stuff in films. <laughs> um, so Christopher Eccleston um, Shallow Grave. Wonderful movie. And I only saw that for the first time this year. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's great. His character is just incredible. Unfortunately, you get to see Keith Allen's knob again because Keith Allen's always <laughs> getting his knob out. But um, also, um, a Runs film. In the family. <laughs> also, a film. Not so much anymore. No. Um, <laughs> a film from um, the late 80s, early 90s, Let Him Have It which is a film about Derek Bentley, who was a, a man with learning disabilities who, with along with his friend, held up a... I think they did a robbery. or No, they shot a policeman. And it's how the words let him have it were construed to his friend because the policeman was asking his friend for the gun and Derek said, let him have it, and the fella shot the policeman. And he plays the part of Derek Bentley really, really well. Like, mm. it, you, it's really oh, nice. Oh, yeah, it's a really good one. And um, Capaldi, um, I have written it down. Uh, Local Hero. Yeah. That's my husband's, one of his favourite films. Local Hero, he's great in that. Uh, In the Loop and uh, Lair of the White Worm, which is trashy. uh, Amanda Donahoe with her tits out. Um, (laughs) Stu's face there. (laughs) And Hugh Grant's in that as well, so... Yeah, super right. Uh, much like Stu, I've gone. For, I've got a film for each of them. My Eccleston one was going to be Twenty Eight Days Later. Yeah, it's that was on my really list. Really good movie. That I think it's almost lost to Sands of Time a little bit. Doesn't get mentioned much because we then had much gorier, much different zombie movies that came after it. So it, it gets forgotten a little bit. I think that one does. Uh, for Peter Capaldi, I went with um, In the Loop. I'm a huge fan of The Thick of It. I yeah. think it's one of the best sitcoms that's ever been written, ever. And then obviously taking it onto the big screen, it was still as fun, yeah. still as fucking foul-mouthed as any time <laughs> he was in it. It, it, it. Excellent. We can also make the argument for Paddington because Paddington 2 yeah. is a perfect movie. 
For Jodie, I went with a film called Adult Life Skills, which is available on Netflix with Brett Goldstein. So if you're a fan of Roy Kent mm. from... Uh, um, Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's one of his films. I really like him. He's really good in another film called um, Super Bob as well, which is a, a low-budget superhero movie. As I say, I've only ever seen her in Broadchurch. Oh really? She's no. in a few. She was also in St. Trinian's as she well. She was in a um she was in a TV show she, where she played uh she pretended to be a doctor and she was married to Neil out of the Inbetweeners. It was a drama. But she's in Journeyman <laughs> with Paddy Considine, which I still haven't watched. We've got it on DV, we've got it on Blu-ray, and we've had it since it came out. I still haven't watched it. So I know she's in that and she's supposed to be brilliant in that. Oh. St. Trinian's with Brand? Yeah. She plays the um the receptionist at the school. Oh, I ain't seen that for, since he came out. Dozy, you want, yeah. But adult life skills. She plays a woman who is struggling with the loss of a parent, if I remember correctly. And it's all about her and Brett's relationship as friends and maybe more. So it, it was really interesting. But yeah, and I'd say watch Super Bob, even though it's got nothing to do with the question, yeah. just because I love Super Bob. Matt Smith, yeah, last night in Soho, it's got to be. Tenant's a real difficult one to choose a film for because... His films aren't great. No. Like, he hasn't been in a, a vast amount of them, but he's very much a like an A-plus TV actor. He's yeah. the best of the best on TV. But he's never made that jump to the, the big screen. Because he was in that one Bad Samaritan with um, Robert Sheehan from Misfits, but I didn't watch that because yeah. I think the trailer gave too much of it away. I, I never saw it. I, I vaguely remember it being advertised, but for whatever reason didn't didn't grab me i'd have probably gone for the harry potter he was in because that was the best harry potter of them all but that, that's not really his best film because i'd say even nativity 2 was a better movie than <laughs> that one like oh commentary really represent thank you very much fun fact the poor school st bernadette's that's the primary school that i went to incredible yep they were just there a few years too late <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Right. And we've got one final question from Matt because he sent it in before he... Uh, before his house uh, blew up. Before his house blew up. So he wants to know what is the best performance by a footballer in a movie and not in a... It's a bit shit, but enjoyable, but actually good, well-acted performance in a movie. Tara? I've only got one because Vinnie Jones is not making my fucking list. <laughs> and I haven't seen David Beckham act. I, I found this quite tough. I mean, I didn't, I, I did a bit of research. Like Neymar was in, uh, he, he had a cameo. I was looking at cameos and stuff. It's got to be Eric Cantona in Looking for Eric. <laughs> That's a really good choice. Has yeah. to be. <laughs> Absolutely. Because he is just him. He's, he's, he's playing himself, but he's, he's, he is acting himself. So he can act because he's been in a lot of other stuff. Yeah, but, if you um, watch the French cinema stuff, he's actually a really good actor. Yeah, he is great. Really good. But yeah, it's got to be Ken Loach is looking for Eric. Great choice. Stu, I've I've written down what I think you're going to say. <laughs> yeah, because we've, we've already talked about it over and over again, anyway. And it's it's Big Ali because yeah. he's fucking class. Yeah. Um, yeah, you you need to go and watch that, Tara. It's on YouTube. There's no excuse not to. Which one, a sorry? Shot. A shot at glory, starring starring no! Robert Duvall <laughs> and Michael Keaton. Him from Godfather, <laughs> <laughs> where he's outacted by Ali McCoist. Oh, hang on a minute! Oh, you said um, 
you said my yeah you said Michael Keaton's in it yeah I'm gonna have to check it out because I'm in love with Michael Keaton so. yeah. Michael Keaton yeah. trying to take trying to take the team to Ireland. Which oh, fucking hell! <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> it makes absolutely no sense. <laughs> but it is really good. He's a really good actor. Okay. I mean, the, the obvious one is Vinnie Jones in Snatch, but yeah, as soon as, soon as he said it, I thought, well, he knows what I'm going to say, Alan McCoy, because he's a great yeah. actor. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Like Vinny's gone on and had a very good career for being a very limited actor, but Ali McCoist like excels himself in that movie. Okay, surprisingly, really good. But I, I do think that Vinny's probably got the best on when. For me, I would have gone for Lockstock over Snatch, but it's it's either or, isn't it? To be honest, he's good um, in Midnight Meat Train because he doesn't have to do much. It's always a winner, isn't yeah. it? If uh, you don't have to do much, so yeah, my, mine was going to be Vin Jones, Lockstock. Need to find out what Matt was going to. We'll put that out on the Twitter when Matt's told us what his uh, his answer will be. You know, there was one from the other week, rather when he's um, on quickly, Kevin. They mentioned Frank LaBeouf's in something. Yes, I he's saw it. that today. Yeah, he's in. Um, I'm trying to. He's it. It's a pretty high profile film, and he's just there. In the back. Right, it's okay. just there. <laughs> Let's have a look. Um, I know that. Um... Yeah. Is it the theory of everything? Yes, that was like that today. Yeah, he's it, in that. Yeah, is that, he plays a doctor. Okay, well, did not expect that. I know that Oliver Giroux um, has done some voice acting, and he was, I think, he was the older Spider-Man in Spider-Verse. Oh wow! Okay. Mm, yeah. Obviously, I've not seen it because it's the French language version, so why would I bother? <laughs> but yeah, uh, Giro, because he's also a very handsome bastard who yes, looks he like he would be a movie star. Yep. So I suppose it makes sense for that to be his next port of call. Yeah. So next up, we are watching Felice Navidad. Yes. Make sure you check out. <laughs> Make sure you check out JustWatch.com to see where it is streaming near you. Um, it's something in it, show. <laughs> <laughs> the the excitement when you you said we was watching it because I'd already we even mentioned this on last week's episode anyway that was recorded like in August, whatever it was. Um, <laughs> that I watched this through my on my own back last year and enjoyed it. And when you said we were watching it again, I couldn't wait because <laughs> it, it, it is very shit. There's no there's no getting away from it. Yeah, it's a it's a TV Christmas film, but it's it's. Watch it and then listen. That's that's the best thing to do. Because... I've never seen such unbridled joy as what Andy <laughs> said. We're watching Felice Navidad and you punched the air. Well, listen listen to this ep- next week's episode just for the fact that when the the realisation that the nine kittens of Christmas is, a, is an actual film that I didn't realise was a, a real thing. <laughs> There's live reactions for that that has now been downloaded and will be watched as of recording on the seventh of December, so <laughs> it, it, yeah. who knows? The Nine kittens of Christmas could get in my top ten of twenty twenty one. It very well could. That'll be recording <coughs> early next year. Uh, so after Felice Navidad, we're going to have a short break over Christmas, but we explain that on next week's pod anyway. Uh, but make sure you get in contact with us at Cage Fighting Pod on the Twitter and any emails to cagefightingpod at gmail uh, while you're at it, please make sure that you are subscribed so that you don't miss an episode of what we do. And as it's Christmas, why not give us a present and tell your friends about what we put out each week. If film and entertainment chat is their thing, they may enjoy us. 
So for this week, Tara, would you like to tell the people where they can find you out there in the big wide world? Um, yeah. So I'm on Twitter at the Bluest Star, which is my Twitter account, and I do a podcast, um, a horror podcast called The Killing, with my friend John Rain. Um, the next episode of that, which I think we're doing next Sunday, um, we're watching the Twilight Zone movie. So we'll be doing a review of that. Uh, and that Twitter handle is at Killening. Uh, and yeah, and I do an internet radio show on a Sunday evening on Edge Radio, which I bang on about all the time, um, just because I can. So, but yeah, that's me. But be warned, she still hasn't played Sledgehammer by Peter Gabriel. No, it's not happening. <laughs> that's why. <laughs> never <laughs> and would you like to say goodbye Sarah yeah thank you so much for having me on lads um yeah take care everyone um obviously I'm not going to speak to any of you before so have a lovely Christmas I'm getting in there early um thank you so much and take care have fun and look after yourselves Stu would you like to say goodbye yeah if you everyone should really check that radio show out at least on is it seven days afterwards that you can listen to it no it's on Mixcloud permanently Oh, well, there you go then. You're, no one's got any excuse. No excuse. <laughs> There's some crazy shit on there of music that's, I'm convinced, has just been made for the show because no one's ever heard it before. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, I, mean, I know some of the, the 50s things and stuff that you you play sometimes, but I've heard that obviously. But there's, there's genuinely when, what is two or three hours worth? And two. Yeah. Well, yeah, where you back them up. Um, you sit, I'm sitting there and think, I've never heard this in my life. I've no idea what it is at all. But yeah, everyone give it a listen. It's it's good fun. Thank um, you. Yeah, so well, we'll speak to you next week, but obviously that's already been recorded. So yeah, have a great one, <laughs> friends and family. Ta-ra. <laughs> it's goodbye from me. And obviously Christmas is can be a tough time for people <clears throat> out there. So if you ever need a chat or anything, our DMs are always open. And just remember, be excellent to each other. <laughs>